Good day, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to the Fresh Frozen Southerner podcast. My name is Jay. I hope all is well, and I hope everybody's having a holly jolly Christmas so far. And I would normally say I hope everybody was safe on Black Friday, but I went out on Black Friday with my wife, and it was a little shocking how quiet things were. Now, I know Black Friday is not what it used to be. Uh, number one, most of those stores They'll start their sales the week before, and it'll run all the way through the weekend, so you don't have to get up at the crack of dawn and go fight your way through a crowd of maniacs to get into the store. And plus, with Cyber Monday and online shopping, it's just not as big of a deal as it used to be. But honestly, I was kind of shocked at how quiet the mall was, and we went to Walmart later, and this was in the evening. It was about 7 o'clock, but we were talking to the cashier while she was ringing us up. And we had asked her how it was through the day, and she said it's been really quiet. And Walmart used to be a killing ground, and and now it's just a normal Friday shopping. They had a few sales going, but it wasn't any big deal. So I'm going to assume that the economy is really starting to put a pinch on people. Um, gas has come down a little bit, and that's always a good thing. But But like I say, it was a huge departure from what I've seen in years past. And it was, like I say, it was kind of shocking how empty the mall was. First thing in the morning, the, the doorbusters are not are not a thing anymore. It, it just there was a lot of people at the mall, but it wasn't really any more than would be there on a normal Saturday. It was like I say, it was quiet and it was a little bit sobering seeing how few people were out shopping. I haven't seen the numbers and normally they plaster those everywhere. How many billions of dollars got spent on that day? And that makes me wonder how bad it was that they don't even want to publicize what the what the retail figures were for that Black Friday. But that's an issue we can worry about on another day. Uh, I want to, and I understand that this is a little bit past the season, but I want to talk a little bit more about turkeys. Uh, number one, there's something that I forgot to talk about on my Happy Thanksgiving Day episode, and that is the fact that, and this drives me nuts that people still believe this turkeys absolutely can fly they are birds you know like chickens we don't think of them as being able to fly but chickens can fly they're not great at it you know they're not going to migrate and soar halfway across the country but chickens can fly and turkeys absolutely can fly now farmed turkeys are it's a little bit of an unnatural shape because they have been selectively bred specifically to produce very large breast meat and that's not how they appear in nature. If you see a turkey in nature, they're actually kind of trim. It's it's not a small animal. I mean, turkeys can get up to 40 pounds in the wild. But if you see a wild turkey, they're pretty sleek. And them things can run, man. They're fast. But wild turkeys roost in trees. And they don't hit the lower branches. They're 40, 50 feet up off the ground. How do you think they get up there? They don't climb. They fly up there. And I think part of the reason everybody believes this myth that turkeys can't fly is when you see a picture of a wild turkey, it's never a hen running through the woods. It's always a tom during mating season where they're, they call it strutting. They were, it's their mating ritual. They puff up their feathers, they fan their tail, they hold their wings out at about a quarter and they, it makes them look like this very fat animal, but that's just the feathers. They're they're poofing their feathers up to make them look bigger and more opposing, trying to intimidate other male turkeys. It, like I say, it's a mating ritual. But the reason that this always comes to mind, number one, my daughter had a textbook, and I don't remember what year she was in, but even this textbook in the school system said that turkeys are a flightless bird. 
And of course, every Thanksgiving you start seeing clips or a lot of times they'll just rerun the whole episode of the the infamous turkey drop episode of WKRP in Cincinnati, where they dropped turkeys out of a helicopter. And of course, they were just raining down and everybody was just horrified that they were killing all these turkeys. That's not what would have happened. That is a sitcom. They're not historically accurate. I don't know if you've noticed that before in your life or not. But if you dropped a farm turkey out of a helicopter, it would fly down to the ground. No, it would not be graceful. It would not be a thing of beauty to witness, but it would not kill the turkey. It would it would land on the ground and go about its business. And again, I apologize for talking about turkeys. Like I say, that is sort of a pet peeve of mine that people still believe that myth that turkeys can't fly. But the reason I'm bringing up turkeys and we're going back to Thanksgiving is because PETA has launched an ad campaign for the holiday, and I did not see it leading into the holiday. I saw it a couple days afterwards. And the ad was, it was a artist drawing of a family of turkeys sitting around the table. And sitting on the table, there was a human carcass roasted, and it was in the classic roast turkey, you know, the knees up. And and it's just such a ridiculous thing. I, I understand that PETA has sort of, you know, this is just kind of their their M.O. at this point is these ridiculous over-the-top ads. But I just got to asking myself, how is PETA still a thing at this point in their lives? I mean, they have taken so many ridiculous stance stances and just went so far beyond the pale that I can't believe anybody would take them seriously at all. Now, there are a lot of vegans out there that it's probably like an edict from the Pope to them whenever PETA says some of this ridiculous crap. But for most of Americans, I can't believe that PETA is not just a laughing stock at this point. But I got to reading up on PETA a little bit for the purposes of this episode, and I was kind of surprised they haven't really been around that long. Uh, PETA was founded in 1980. Uh, The founders are an Ingrid Newkirk and an Alex Pacheco. Ingrid Newkirk started to get into animal rights activism in 1969. According to the Wikipedia page I was reading about her, uh, she said that in 1969, she had come across a litter of kittens that somebody had abandoned, and she took those to the local animal shelter. And when she dropped the kittens off, she said she was just appalled by how filthy that animal shelter was, you know, the conditions that the animals were living in. And that got her into animal rights activism. Now, if you're wanting to improve conditions for animals living in shelters, that's a noble idea. I have no problem with that. The problem with a lot of these movements is they start out with some very rational, understandable motivations, but at some point they just go nutty. You see this all the time. You want a current example, Black Lives Matter. You know, how fast did that movement go down the toilet? And for about a decade, Ingrid Newkirk actually walked the walk. She got a job in Maryland, working for the Animal Control Bureau there in Maryland. Uh, Then later she worked in the District of Columbia, working for the Animal Control, and later for a branch for animal diseases for the CDC. Uh, But she worked in the animal control and rescue agencies for about a decade. Uh, It's actually working at one of these shelters that she was overseeing that she met Alex Pacheco, and they eventually fell in love and got married. But in 1980, her and Alex and five other people formed the People for the Ethical Treatment of Animals. 
Now, PETA was originally located uh, somewhere in Maryland, uh, but they are now their national headquarters is actually in Norfolk, Virginia. So, yay, representing the home state. Love to hear that. But PETA first came on to prominence nationwide uh, through their efforts regarding animal testing. And again, I'm not a proponent of animal testing just in general, there are certain things like like medical testing when they're trying to make sure that some new medication is not going to kill humans if they give it to them. I can kind of see some merit there. You know, I, I mean, you can love bunnies and monkeys all you want to, but while I don't want to see them tortured just pointlessly, like cosmetic companies don't need to be testing on animals. But if it's something that is going to directly lead to saving human lives, I think a monkey or two, that's a pretty good trade off. I don't mean to sound callous about it. That's just the facts. I think if it's going to help human beings live healthier and save people's lives, there's not really much math to do there. That's that's worth the time and effort. But the case that brought PETA to national attention was called the Silver Springs Monkey Case. Now, there's a researcher named Edward Taub that was doing research on macaque monkeys. He was doing experiments on their nervous system and i don't think he was testing like directly for some kind of new medication i think he was just performing experiments to see how they would overcome and react and adapt to damage to their central nervous system that things like uh, the nerves that control their hands and things like that but the co-founder of PETA, alex pacheco had actually managed to get a job at this research facility and he was there just specifically to find out how these monkeys were being treated and see what their living conditions were. Uh, He would sneak into the lab at night and take pictures. He actually took those pictures uh, to the police department and the FBI raided this research facility. It was the very first time that there was ever a raid on any type of animal testing facility in this country. Now, Edward Taub did get convicted of animal cruelty and neglect in this case uh, that was later overturned on appeal But PETA spent the next 10 years trying to get custody of these 17 macaque monkeys that Edward Taub had at his research facility. They never were awarded custody of these monkeys. I think that's a little bit of an indictment on your animal rights organization that the judge says, you know, I don't think you guys having them is the best idea. That's probably the smart way for this judge to go because PETA more than likely would have euthanized the monkeys, and I'm not just saying that. That's not conjecture on my part. Uh, PETA is actually opposed to no-kill shelters, which seems diametrically opposed to what you think an animal rights activist group would want. You would think that they would be wholeheartedly behind a no-kill shelter, but they they don't think the way you and me do. They don't worry about the welfare of these animals and how they live their lives, they feel like that humans should not use animals for anything. And they don't want these animals to live a life with people. They would rather just kill these animals and just have them gone completely. It's it's the first sign that there's not a lot of rationale behind their philosophy, that that's how they think. Uh, PETA actually opposes people calling their dogs or cats pets. They want them to be called companions. Now, I asked my dog Molly if she cared whether I called her a pet or a companion. She didn't say a word. I don't think she cares. I mean, she couldn't even summon up the motivation to give me an answer. So I really don't think that my dog Molly gives 
a flying rat's butt, whether I call her a pet or property or whatever. She doesn't care. As long as the dish gets filled at dinner time and we take her for walks and we give her belly rubs, she's happy. She's curled up on her couch right now. She's really living a tough life as our pet. I will give PETA one thing, though. Uh, props for them living up to their philosophy because PETA runs and operates multiple animal shelters across this country. The average rate of euthanization for animals brought to those shelters is 97%. They basically kill every animal that anybody brings to one of their shelters. So when they complain about people eating turkey on Thanksgiving, it's obviously not the killing part that they're worried about. It's just the eating. They want everybody to be vegan, which I guess means if if all of us woke up tomorrow and said, you know what, they're right, let's not eat animals anymore, PETA's first order of business would be to say, all right, everybody grab a shotgun because we've got a lot of cows and chickens and, and pigs to go around and we got to shoot all these animals. They can't just be killed out in the wild. So, so load up with shells and we're going to go get to murdering. You know, oddly, I've never seen PETA say anything about the, the president's tradition of pardoning two turkeys every year at Thanksgiving. I think originally he just did one, but but now it's two. He's done two for several years. I don't know when that started. But I found out something interesting. Those turkeys are taken to Mount Vernon, which is George Washington's home. It's right outside of Washington, D.C., in, in Virginia again. So all this stuff's going on in my home state. The two that were pardoned on Thanksgiving this year are the only two turkeys that are currently on that estate. And the reason for that is all the others have died of natural causes. I was not aware of this. Uh, I looked it up to see how long turkeys survive in the wild. Wild turkeys only have a lifespan of three to five years. Farm turkeys live much less than that. Like I said before, turkeys on a farm, they're bred specifically to produce meat and apparently the physical characteristics that produce a very good-looking bird on your dinner table is not very conducive to longevity. So all those turkeys that you see, but, you know, these turkeys are going to you know, live out their life in free range, and they'll be on this beautiful state in Virginia. No, they go there, and they're dead in like six months. So basically, you're giving them a few more weeks of life and nobody gets to eat them. It's just wasted meat. Although they probably feed it to something that I'm sure they don't tell you what they do with the things after they pass, but, but they probably don't have a, a burial ceremony for these turkeys. And the other irony of this whole, you know, it was, you know, can you imagine if, if turkeys ate people? Well, if turkeys were bigger, they absolutely would eat people. Turkeys are not vegetarians. I, I don't know if Pete is aware of this. I don't know how much they actually know about the animal kingdom and how nature works. Turkeys don't eat just acorns. They, they do eat acorns and they'll eat seeds and whatever they can find, but they also eat grasshoppers, katydids. They'll eat mice, lizards, if they can catch other small birds, basically anything that they can swallow and catch, they will eat. They're not vegetarians. Like I say, they will eat whatever they can get, get in their beaks. So yes, PETA, if, if turkeys were 10 foot tall, they absolutely would be hunting people. They're, they're pretty mean animals to begin with. There's all kinds of videos online of turkeys chasing little kids around, trying to fight them. Birds are mean, and turkeys are dumb on top of that. It, you know, they say bird brain for a reason. 
Turkeys are a very, very stupid animal. I spent about 20 minutes one day. Uh, my parents used to own some land and we'd go over there camping and hunting. Uh, there was a lot of turkeys on the property as well. Now, we did not keep cattle. We called it the farm, but we didn't farm it. But it had been a farm, so there was cattle fences up around the property. I sat for, like like I say, like 20 minutes. There was a flock of eight or nine turkeys, and they were trying to navigate that cattle fence. Now, you would think that that has been a part of their home range their entire lives. You would think they'd have figured it out at some point. But I watched those turkeys try to walk through the fence because, you know, they can see there's big openings in it. They would stick their head and try to walk through and their shoulders would get caught on the fence and they'd back up and you wander around a little bit. And every once in a while, one of them would get the bright idea, you know, I'm a bird. I could fly over this thing. And one of them would fly over the fence and start working his way on up the up the ridge. And you would think that if they see one of them do it, they would think, hey, you know, I can do the same thing. That's not how it worked. They stepped, they kept trying to walk through this fence. And like I say, about once a minute, one of them would get the bright idea. You know, I can fly. I live in a 3D world, not a two-dimensional world. I don't have to try to walk through this fence. But it took that flock of like eight turkeys literally 20 minutes to figure out how to get over this four-foot-high cattle fence. So, yes, PETA, absolutely. Turkeys would eat you and everybody that you love if they could. The problem is, is that you're too big for them to swallow, so they don't get to eat you. It's not that they don't want to, it's that they can't. I don't believe that that information is going to sway any opinions at the home office, though, because PETA and the truth have a very estranged relationship at this point. PETA has put out a lot of ads through my life that are just just batshit crazy is the best description I can come up for it. And they'll just say whatever they want, whether it's the truth or not, doesn't make any, any difference. And they target a lot of their ads at little kids, which that's, that should be another red flag. Anytime you're trying to push propaganda onto like 10 year olds, that tells me that you're, organization is more than a little shady because if you can't convince rational adults that you're right what you do then is try to convince stupid children and if you can get that ingrained in their thinking deep enough once they grow up they're still going to believe it even though it's it's just a crock of shit that if you don't believe me go back to the people believing that turkeys can't fly but it's not just that they're targeting little children it's that they're just flat out lying in these propaganda ads that they put out uh, PETA put out a big ad campaign one time about 10, 15 years ago that milk causes cancer. And I'd like to point out at this point that there is absolutely zero research or evidence that drinking milk elevates your risk of cancer in any way, shape, or form. But PETA, and it wasn't just cancer, there was four or five other horrible diseases that PETA said that you're more susceptible to if you drink milk. Now, bear in mind that we're mammals and every one of us survived on milk for the first year of our life. Every mammal on this planet does the exact same thing. Now, humans are kind of unique in the animal kingdom in that we're pretty much the only species that consumes milk after we're weaned off of and it can eat regular food. But that doesn't mean it suddenly becomes poison. It's just another form of protein and animal fat that you're getting into your system. It's part of your diet. But PETA is so steadfastly opposed to human beings having any interaction with animals at all 
that even milking a cow, which does no harm to the cow whatsoever, that's off the table for them. They don't want us even just harvesting milk from an animal when, again, it does no damage. Uh, the cow's fine. It's just a resource that we're collecting from this animal. They also, to prove this point even a little bit more, they put out an ad, and this one just really drove me nuts. I mean, it was just over-the-top graphic. They had a billboard that had a man holding the carcass of a lamb, and this lamb looked like it went through a wood chipper. And the text at the bottom of the poster board said, this is the rest of your wool mittens. Well, again, anybody that has any sense at all, you don't slaughter sheep to get wool. You give them a haircut. Shearing a sheep does not hurt it in the slightest. Like I said, it's literally just a haircut. I want to know if the people at PETA are too stupid to understand that shearing sheep is not murder. Or do they know and they're lying and it's just malicious? Now, they'll never admit one way or the other. But I can't believe it. I'm sure that a lot of the, the hardliners in PETA, they grew up in a city. You know, they, they've never been to a farm. They certainly didn't grow up around farm animals. They, they probably don't really have a good grasp of how that relationship between farmer and animal works. But how can you be an adult human being in this country and not know that shearing a sheep is just cutting the wool off. You're not killing the animal and skinning it to get the wool. But again, this is one of those things that, you know, they're targeting that at children and children will believe it. If you tell them I've got two kids and believe me, a seven-year-old will believe pretty much anything you tell them. In fact, the only ad campaign I can really support PETA on is when they used to hire the models to sit naked in the cages to show how cruel it was to treat animals that way. You know, public nudity is the one ad campaign from PETA that I can get behind. But I try not to be one of these people that just complains about things without offering any solution. So, so I've thought about this a little bit, and I think I've come up with a solution to the turkey issue that we can all live with. You know, we've talked before. A little while ago, how PETA is you know, more than happy to euthanize animals once they arrive at their shelter. So what we'll do is we'll go to you know, Butterball and Purdue and all these other companies that produce turkeys. And we'll just have them rename their slaughterhouses to turkey rescue centers. Now, having a rescue center for just one specific animal, that's not really all that unusual. I see ads pop up on my Facebook feed all the time for you know, a rescue group that specifically does basset hounds or greyhounds that have been retired from racing or, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of places that they go very specifically one type of animal, even one breed within like the dog or the cat community. So we, we could pretty easily sell them that this particular organization is just interested in rescuing farm turkeys from the farmers. Now, again, they're not going to be upset when we euthanize all those turkeys, and we'll just explain to them that when they take the legs off and the head and all the feathers, that we're just preparing them for cremation, about a three-and-a-half, four-hour cremation at 325 degrees in volunteers' kitchens every year. And then we just won't explain to them that we're consuming the birds, just leave it at cremation. PETA will be perfectly happy. We'll all get to enjoy Thanksgiving. They won't have to shove this crap down your kid's throat. Everybody's happy. All right, guys, that's about all I've got for you today. I apologize for going back a holiday again. I hope everybody's enjoying their Christmas time. 
I hope everybody enjoyed this episode. If you did, please uh, rate the show. Uh, leave me a like. And if you'd like to give me a subscription, that would be greatly appreciated. If you'd like to leave me a comment, you can do so at freshfrozensoutherner at gmail.com or you can go to the Fresh Frozen Southerner Facebook page. All right, guys, hope everybody's enjoying themselves and we will talk again very soon.